Welcome to tape number 15 of Gleanings in the Godhead, Part 2, Excellencies which pertain to God the Son as Christ by A.W. Pink. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. There is no copyright on this material, and we encourage you to reproduce it and pass it on to your friends. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, T6L3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. And now to the reading of Part 2 of Gleanings in the Godhead by A.W. Pink, which we pray you find to be a great blessing and which we hope draws you near to the Lord Jesus Christ. Continuing on with the reading from Chapter 20, The Example of Christ. Second, if all professors forfeit their claim to a saving interest in Christ who endeavors not sincerely and earnestly to imitate him in the holiness of his life, then how shall a number of real Christians are there in the world? Excuse me, let me read that again. Second, if all professors forfeit their claim to a saving interest in Christ who endeavor not sincerely and earnestly to imitate him in the holiness of of his life, then how small a number of real Christians are there in the world? If flowery talking without strict walking, if common profession without holy practice, if church membership without denying self and treading the narrow way were sufficient to constitute a Christian, then a considerable percentage of earth's population would be entitled to that name. But, if Christ owns none but those who follow the example that he left, then his flock is indeed a little one. The vast majority of those who claim to be Christians have a name to live, but are dead. Romans 6.13 The demands of Christ are too rigid for them. They prefer the broad road where the majority are found. Third, what blessed times... we should witness if true Christianity once generally obtained and prevailed in the world, how it would humble the proud, mellow the self-willed, and spiritualize those who are carnal. A perverse world has often charged Christianity with being the cause of all the tumult in it, whereas nothing but pure Christianity in the power of it can cure those epidemics of evil. If the great majority of our fellows were regenerated by the Spirit and brought to walk after Christ in holiness, living in meekness and self-denial, then our prisons would be closed, armies and navies done away with, jealousies and animosities be removed, and the wilderness and solitary places be glad. The desert would rejoice and blossom as the rose. That is what constitutes the great difference between heaven and a world that lieth in the wicked one. Holiness is the very atmosphere of the former, whereas it is hated and banned here. Uh, 
Fourth, it also follows that real Christians are the best companions. It is a blessed thing to fellowship with those who genuinely seek to follow the example of Christ. The holiness, heavenly mindedness, and spiritual graces which were in him are, in their measure, to be found in all of his true disciples. They show the praise of him who called them out of darkness into light. Something of the fruit of the Spirit is to be seen in all those whom he indwells, yet it must be remembered there is a great deal of difference between one Christian and another, that the best is sanctified only in part. If there is something engaging and sweet, there is also that which is distasteful and bitter in the most mature saints. This is what gives us occasion to forbear one another in love. Nevertheless, notwithstanding all the infirmities and corruptions, the Lord's people are the best companions on this earth. Happy are they who now enjoy fellowship with those in whom can be discerned the likeness of Christ. Fifth, if no man's claim to being Christ is warranted except so far as he is walking according to him, then how groundless and worthless are the expectations of all unsanctified persons who walk after their own lust. This is a quote again from John Flavel. Quote, None are more forward to claim the privileges of religion than those that reject the duties of it. Multitudes hope to be saved by Christ, who yet refuse to be governed by him. But such hopes have no scripture warrant to support them. Yea, they have many scripture testimonies against them. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Oh, how many thousand vain hopes are laid in the dust, and how many thousand souls are sentenced to hell by this one scripture. End quote. From, again, from John Flavel, 1660. Then how it behooves those of us who profess to be Christians to be not conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12.2. How we should strive to follow Christ's steps. That should be the great business of our lives as it is the chief scope of the gospel. If Christ has conformed himself to us by taking upon him our nature, how reasonable it is that we should conform ourselves to him in a way of obedience. He came under the law for our sakes, Galatians 4.4. 4. The least we can do in return is to gladly take his yoke upon us. It was Christ's abasement to conform himself to those who are infinitely beneath him. It will be our advancement to conform ourselves to him who is so high above us, surely the love of Christ must constrain us to spare no efforts to grow up into him in all things. Ephesians 4.15 If we will be conformed to him in glory, how logical it is that we should now conform ourselves to him in holiness. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, 1 John 3, 2. Like him not only in our souls, but also in our bodies, too, will be transformed unto, like unto his, Philippians 3, 21. What a motive this is to bring us into conformity with Christ here, especially since our conformity to him in holiness is the evidence of our conformity to him in glory, Romans 6, 5. 
the conformity of our lives to Christ is our highest excellence in this world for the measure of our grace is to be estimated by this rule so far as we imitate Christ and no farther are we of any real help to those around us contrarywise the less we are conformed to Christ the greater hindrances and stumbling blocks we are both to the saved and unsaved what a solemn consideration this is how it should drive us to our knees, seeking grace to be closer followers of Christ, that you should walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 By worthiness, an apostle, the apostle had no reference to what is meritorious, but to that decorum which befits a Christian. As Davenant pointed out, that's D-A-V-E-N-A-N-T, pointed out, quote, the word worthy, as used in Scripture, does not always denote an exact pr- proportion of equality being one thing between one thing and another, but a certain suitableness and fitness which excludes inconsistency. End quote. To walk worthy of God is to walk as Christ walked, and any deviation from that standard is a reflection of our profession and a reproach unto Him. It is for our own peace that we be conformed to Christ's pattern. The answer of a good conscience and the smile of God's approbation are rich compensation for denying the flesh. A comfortable death is the ordinary close of a holy life. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. Psalm 37.37 In drawing to a conclusion, let us consider a few lines of comfort to those who are cast down by the realization of how far short they come of measuring up to the standard Christ set before them. According to the yearnings of the new nature, you have sincerely endeavored to follow Christ's example. But, being weak in grace and meeting with much opposition from the flesh and temptations from the devil, you have been frequently turned aside from the holy purposes of your honest hearts to the great discouragements of your soul. You can say with David, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes, Psalm 119.5. You have tried hard to follow after holiness, if by any means you might attain it, but your efforts have been repeatedly thwarted, your aspirations dashed, and you have to cry, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? Romans 7.24 First, let us assure the genuinely exercised soul that such defects in obedience do not invalidate your justification or affect your acceptance with and standing before God. Your justification is built not upon your obedience, but upon Christ. However imperfect you are, you are complete in Him. Colossians 2.10 Woe to Abraham, Moses, David, or Paul if their justification depended upon their own holiness and good works. Let not your sad failures dampen your joy in Christ, but rather be increasingly thankful for His robe of righteousness. Second, your heart anguish over your unlikeness to Christ instead of being a proof that you are less sanctified than those who do not grieve over their lack of conformity to Him. Evidences that you are more sanctified than they, for it shows you are better acquainted with your heart than they are, have a deep loathing of sin and love God more. The most distinguished saints have made the bitterest laments, lamentation of this on this account. See Psalm 38.4. Third, 
The Holy Spirit makes an excellent use of your infirmities and turns your failures into spiritual advantages. By those very defects, he hides pride from your eyes, subdues your self-righteousness, causes you to appreciate more deeply, more deeply the riches of free grace and place a higher value on the blood of the Lamb. By your many falls, he makes you to long more ardently for heaven and gradually reconciles you to the prospect of death. The more a holy soul is buffeted by sin and Satan, the more sincerely he will cry, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Psalm 55.6 Quoting John Flavel, Oh, the blessed chemistry of heaven to extract such mercies out of such miseries. End quote. To make such sweet flowers spring up out of such bitter roots. Fourth, your infirmities do not break the bond of the everlasting covenant that holds firm, notwithstanding your many defects and corruptions. Iniquities prevailed against me, said David, yet in the same breath he added, Thou shalt purge them away, Psalm 65, 3. Fifth, though the defects of your obedience are grievous, are grievous to God, yet your deep sorrow for them is, are well-pleasing in his sight. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Psalm 51:17. 6. Your grief is a conformity to Christ, for he was the man of sorrows. If he suffered because of our sins, shall we not be made to weep over them? 7. Though God have left many defects, this is a quote from John Flavel, Quote, Though God have left many defects to humble you, yet he hath given many things to comfort. This is a comfort that the desire of thy soul is to God and the remembrance of the, his name. This is a comfort that thy sins are not thy delights at once as once they were, but the shame but thy shame and sorrow. This is a comfort that thy case is not singular, but more or less the same complaints and sorrows are found in all gracious souls through the world. End quote. Quoting again John Flavel. This concludes the reading of part two of Gleanings in the Godhead by A.W. Pink. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources as well as SWRB's complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, T6L3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. 
This book, Part 2 of Gleanings in the Godhead by A.W. Pink, is also available from Stillwater's Revival Books in softcover format at a discount in our A to Z author listings. listings. And please don't forget to look over the 62 CDs that make up our Reformation Bookshelf and Puritan Bookshelf CD sets if you visit our website at swrb.com as these CDs are a great way to build a, a major reform library at a fraction of the cost of the printed books.